I had a very strange childhood. Had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. All over the world, we're experiencing record-breaking temperatures that have already claimed the lives of over 1,100 in Europe alone. And those continue to scorch much of the U.S. right now. I'm sitting in New York City, sweating right now, half backwards and everything, trying to stay cool. And we're only still in July. But what effects does such extreme heat have on the body? And what can we expect to see in terms of mental and physical symptoms? Today, I'm having a good friend of mine and my co-founder, Dr. Mark Ivanitsky, join us to discuss the true ramifications and potentially dangerous temperatures on our biology. Dr. Mark, great to see you. Are you staying cool where you are right now? Yes. Uh, thanks for having me on again. I'm staying cool. It's relatively cool here at the center. Um, yeah, it's not bad here in Long Island either. It hasn't been that hot. Last, this weekend was pretty bad, but today it's actually pretty good. I think we got through the, the worst parts of the heat wave, but as many people said, this is only July. Temperatures are pretty high. People are dying in Europe. I'll be actually traveling to Portugal tomorrow, and that's where a lot of people have been impacted. Now, the first thing I wanted to talk about is kind of the most, I think, important one. And I'm actually going to take a sip of my Gerald Steiner before I ask this because I am very thirsty. And that is about hydration. What should people be looking to do? Just is it excess hydration? Is it something in specific? Is it sports drinks? What should people be looking to drink because they're hot, sweaty, and obviously we're starting to get overheated? Yeah. So, you know, when their body is experiencing excessive heat, the uh, blood rushes to the periphery, rushes to our skin to kind of cool it off because that's the, the access to, to, the, to the cool air is what the body wants to do. So when it does that, it also activates the sweating response. So your body starts to sweat in order to cool down as well. When you're sweating, in that sweat is a lot of sodium, a lot of chloride, a lot of electrolytes, a lot of minerals that the body kind of releases through that sweat. When there's excessive heat, you're losing a lot of water and using a lot of minerals through, through your sweat. So it's important to replenish those, you know, drinking a lot of water. Usually, you know, people generally, we recommend people drink around half their body weight in ounces in water. That's as a general, we say per day. So, you know, on average, let's say that's about equals about 60 ounces of water, usually one to two liters of water per day. So that equals about, you know, eight, eight ounce glasses, roughly kind of what you, could, you can kind of look to, to kind of measure that. So eight, eight ounce glasses of water per day. And at the same time, you want to be getting some minerals in. So it's a good idea. Sometimes I'll tell patients, you take a little a pinch of a Himalayan sea salt or, or Himalayan salt or just regular sea salt and put it a, a tiny little pinch with a little bit of water. That provides, you know, a lot of the sodium and chloride that your body's losing through the sweat. You know, coconut water is another, another favorite of mine. You can do coconut water. If some people say it's a little bit too sweet, um, you could dilute it in a little bit of water. Coconut water is very high in, in electrolytes, magnesium, potassium, uh, sodium chloride, all the electrolytes your body is losing through the sweat. So that's great. Gatorade, you know, Pedialyte, those are okay. I know I generally tell patients to stay away from those because those are generally much higher in sugar. And so uh, we, wanna, we don't want to, you know, be replenishing with, with a lot of sugar because it can throw off the body's metabolism. Sugar in general isn't, isn't a great idea. So I, I generally stay away from those. If that's the only thing you have access to, then you can do some Gatorade. 
or some uh, Pedialyte. Another great uh, option is mineral waters, like you're drinking Gerolsteiner or you know San Pellegrino. The waters that are naturally high in minerals, um, they have you know they're high in sodium, they're high in uh, magnesium, uh, phosphorus, uh, bicarb. So those are great. You know you don't have to drink all your 60 ounces as mineral water, but even just one or two glasses is a great uh, great addition so that you're not, you know, oh, you're not, you're just, just drinking water. One of the dangers of just drinking too much water is something called hyponatremia, where your body becomes so diluted that the, the sodium in the blood um, actually uh, leaves, leaves circulation and you get something called hyponatremia, where you get uh, a drop in blood pressure. And that's actually really dangerous, actually can kill you. So you definitely don't want to make sure that you're replenishing with, uh, with minerals and electrolytes. Uh, and I actually know quite a few people who, ha- who became hyponatremic from drinking uh, just a lot of just plain water because they're, they're hearing all this stuff about drinking water, drinking water, and they weren't replenishing with electrolytes and minerals. And they became hyponatremic, had to go to the hospital, get you know IV fluids uh, for that. So it is a real danger. Um, and so make sure that if you're drinking water, you, you are replenishing with minerals as well, um, like we mentioned. How do you feel about electrolyte powders? It's kind of a little bit of the rage right now. I'd say, I just had a friend that reached out. He's like, hey, what's your favorite electrolyte powder? And I, I told him, good water, a little bit of Himalayan sea salt, and squeeze a lemon in there for all the other vitamins. And I was like, and that's that's a, a great start. Don't, don't just jump in. But I want to hear from you. That was just my opinion. What is your opinion of electrolytes? Yeah, I think, you know, that that's always a great kind of free option to do. A lot of these electrolyte powders are generally higher in magnesium, which you just you can't get. And, you know, the amount of magnesium you're going to get in Himalayan salt or sea salt is pretty minuscule. But um, if you have a, a powder, uh, you're going to get high levels of magnesium. You're going to get high levels of potassium and phosphorus, which, you know, which is great, too. I mean, it has all these other hosts of other benefits, you know. But if you're just talking about replenishing electrolytes that you've lost through sweat, those powders necessarily aren't, you know, I wouldn't say that they're 100% necessary. I think they're great for all these other things you want benefits for. But if it's just to kind of replenish lost water, uh, I don't know that they're that necessary. It also depends on the quality too. A lot of them have other other junk in them. They're super processed. They come from weird places. So you have to make sure you're finding a good company, good, reliable uh, company. You know, we we use here at the clinic, we use really high quality um, brands, pure prescriptions, uh, Genestra, Thorn. Um, these are all brands that we've tested that are really high, high quality. So um, I would go with that than something just kind of like off the street or something at a bodega or something. But you're not telling them to have five hour energies and monster drinks, right? No, no, those those aren't great for a lot of a lot of reasons. Uh, a lot of those have, you know, really high in caffeine, too, and they can throw off. Caffeine's a whole separate other issue, but they're also got food coloring and other chemicals and things. So they're not. Let's go into that for a second. What about caffeine in the heat? I see a lot of people now switching over to iced coffees in the morning, but like chugging them down, right? Yeah. Because it's it's cold and you just slurp it with a straw, right? And right. you're getting more caffeine that way, I believe. I don't do iced coffees. I like it still hot, but talk about that. Yeah, so caffeine is a diuretic, meaning it uh, forces your kidneys to excrete water. And so uh, the same goes for alcohol. They're both diuretics, so that you're losing a lot of water and electrolytes when you're drinking caffeine and alcohol. So it just adds to the burden. If you're super hot, you're, you're losing more water. It feels like you're getting refreshed because you're drinking something cold. But ultimately, what it's doing is, is causing more loss of water, more loss of electrolytes. So um, if you're going to be doing caffeine or alcohol, I would just 
I would double up or include, you know, whatever ounces you're having of that caffeinated or alcoholic beverage, I would, I would double that and then include on top of that, the original base of water intake you need throughout the day. You know, I would even do maybe like a two to one, like let's say you have eight ounces of coffee, I would say I add another two, two, eight ounces or 16 ounces to offset that coffee in addition to um, any alcohol that you're drinking. Not the best ideas during a heat wave, although that's kind of what we think too. There are, if you think about iced coffee and margaritas, you know, it's hot out. That's what we want, but that's um, not the best idea in terms of hydration, keeping the body hydrated and, and full of uh, electrolytes that it needs. Yeah. And now if you go back to the mineral side of things, if you were to say, hey, could I just keep drinking my regular Poland spring and take mineral supplementation? What, what would I be looking at? What should I be looking to supplement with minerals? The main mineral actually is sodium. You know, sodium and chloride are the two main electrolytes your body, your body needs basically every cell to conduct, conduct electricity, to conduct uh, polarization of the cell membrane. So those are the, 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 the big ones. And then, you know, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, those are, you know, come second in line to that. So, you know, min those mineral capsules, mineral supplements, if they have, if they're, you know, if they've got a good balance of, of all those, you know, those are, those are great. I would avoid you know, anything in plastic bottles uh, just because plastic's a whole other issue, especially in the heat. Um, you know, anything that's left in the heat, especially in plastic, is going to, the plastic is going to potentially uh, melt a little bit and, and get absorbed into the water. So all the BPA and all the nasty stuff that you wouldn't want for plastics is going to get even be higher in water that's that's been left out in the sun or the heat. So I would stay away from plastics generally, but definitely in a heat wave and when it's hot out, you want to stay away from anything in any water and plastics. It's one of the reasons I always go to Gerald Steiner and Aquapana still does them in glass and you can still buy them that way. But I agree with you. So many people don't realize once you start to heat that, it's volatile. It's giving yeah. off some, right? It's going into the, you have OB decisions, you have people, like everything. You even had like water that's been out in the car. Oh, for gross. It's disgusting because that's all the plastic chemicals you're tasting in it. Yeah. You're tasting half that bottle is disintegrated into that. So it's like a medley of water and plastics, which is disgusting when you have it. Now, let's switch gears a little bit because of course, hydration is incredibly important, but I have to say diet's very important as well. One of the things I know I've realized that a lot of people have mentioned when you have a large, you know, a high protein type of meal, your body temperature usually goes up a bit more. So what should we be looking out for? Because that's exactly, if you talk about someone outside at a barbecue, you're having a hamburger, you're having a hot dogs, you know, steaks, everything. And, and that's a lot of meat. And, and that does raise your temperature, doesn't it? So what should we be looking out for there? Yeah. So, you know, in Chinese medicine, um, we always look to make food recommendations seasonally. And so from a seasonal perspective, summertime is a lot of heat. You want to kind of avoid foods that are going to create excess heat in the body. So from Chinese medicine, that is more of the meats, you know, chicken, steak, things like that are going to be increasing heat in the body. Uh, so you know, more cooling foods, more uh, fruits and vegetables, salads, even raw foods, you know, raw foods generally in Chinese medicine, we don't like raw foods because it, it can create issues with digestion. But the one time a year where more foods, raw foods are a bit better is definitely the summertime. So I would focus more on that salads, more uh, vegetables, fruits, you know, grains, I would say meat in moderation. Definitely you want to, um, you don't want to create an excess kind of heat heat burden on the body when you're trying to cool off. So definitely with that. Yeah. And I remember even uh, Nicole, our nurse who we work with, right? She shared that cucumber and watermelon, which are just truly hydrating, cooling type of 
right? Uh, fruits and vegetables that really assist us, give us lots of hydration, add a lot of vitamins and phytonutrients in there that help us antioxidants. So that was a, a great recipe as well. Just enjoy summertime foods that really are summertime foods like watermelon that are ripe then and everything rather than just stack on meat and don't have those cooling foods. Now, if we look at something like sleep, because we don't usually associate heat with sleep, but from all the data I've seen and people I've spoken to usually want to sleep in a somewhat cool room for the best quality of sleep. And luckily at night, it usually does get cooler as the sun sets, but in a heat wave, I mean, it, there's no reprieve sometimes. And people like in London are learning, it could be pretty damn hard to sleep in the heat. But what does it do on the body when you're in an elevated temperature trying to sleep? Yeah. So, you know, our core temperature is around in Fahrenheit, 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And actually when we sleep, we actually fluctuate and we go down about one to two degrees Fahrenheit. And our brain actually needs that cooling off to happen in order to get into deep levels of sleep. So there are different phases of sleep. You know, you have more light sleep, you have deeper sleep, you have REM sleep. Get into those deeper sleep uh, zones and the REM sleep zones, you actually need a cooler body temperature. So, you know, it's recommended to sleep in a cooler room. Ideally, it's around 65 degrees Fahrenheit is what they say is an ideal room temperature to get your body's core temperature down to where it needs to be one to two degrees in order to get those deep levels of sleep. If you're not doing that, then the brain actually can't go into those deeper levels of sleep. So you're kind of having restless sleep and you're not getting into those deep levels and you're not having the full benefit of sleep if you're not getting into those deeper levels. So that's it's really important actually to sleep in a cool room. You know, some of the things you can do is you know, obviously shades, you know, keep and keep the sun out for most of the days you can, not just at night, but also during the day. Air conditioners, fans, you know, sleeping with very thin sheets or even having a cool compress you could put on your neck and head um, can be good right before going to bed. Anything you can do to cool yourself down is really important so that you're getting those deeper levels of sleep and re regenerating and replenishing the brain. What about cardiovascular health? Because you hear a lot about heat stroke. You see a lot of people still trying to work out outside, you know, kind of push themselves a little bit. What would you tell people that may be even at a cardiovascular risk to do in this heat? Should they not be exercising at all? Should they just cool it for this time, literally like stop working out? Should they be doing certain other things aside from hydration and diet? Yeah. So when, what happens is when you're, um, when you're really hot, the blood leaves the, the core and it goes into the, into the periphery, into your skin to cool off your body. When that happens, you actually naturally have a lowering of blood pressure. And so in order to compensate for that, the heart actually increases the heart rate. So that's why, you know, every time you have a fever and you're feeling hot, you feel your, your heart rate is actually going up. For people who have an increased cardiovascular risk, that actually can be a danger. That increase in heart rate can actually increase the chances of a cardiovascular event, like a heart attack or stroke or anything, anything like that. For people with cardiovascular risk factors, the excess of heat is actually really, can be really dangerous. You know, heat stroke is something a little bit different. Heat, heat stroke is when the body loses the ability to, to cool off. It gets so hot that the sweating mechanism shuts down. And then the temperature, just the core temperature keeps going up and up and up, sometimes even, you know, past 104, 105, 106 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's really dangerous that those temperatures, um, proteins in the body start denaturing. Proteins naturally have a specific shape and form that they need to have their function. When they become denatured, like the same way you would cook a chicken, the protein kind of 
disintegrates and falls apart. So all the proteins in the brain, then the immune system, everything kind of starts disintegrating and you go with the heat stroke and you actually can die and, and kind of, um, uh, you know, lose, lose function in that way. Yeah. So anyone with cardiovascular risk factors wants to be really careful not to uh, exercise in the heat, stay away. You know, if you're going to exercise, definitely exercise indoors. Um, and if you're noticing you're sweating a lot, you know, that's, that's a signal. Like once you start sweating, it's kind of gotten to the point where you're, you're already losing a lot. So you want to, you want to catch it before then. So make sure you're staying hydrated before you start sweating so that you have that kind of reserve there. You know, switching from cardiovascular to something a lot of people don't associate with this idea of the nervous system and the idea of actually keeping a cool head and trying to trigger more parasympathetic system. Because a lot of people, when you're under constant stress, like we are, your fear, your, you know, you have so much going on and stress levels are up. You become, you get yourself in a sympathetic state, which I know when, you know, I'm sympathetic, I'm a sweater. My body temperature goes up. If I'm like in a state like right yeah. now, like where it's like pressure or something like that and it's hot, it's just going to flare up in me in a sense. But the idea of breathing and keeping a cool head of doing certain techniques to be parasympathetic, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, one of the easiest, fastest and uh, most accessible ways to access the parasympathetic nervous system um, in the moment is uh, the, your exhale. So when you're, when you're um, breathing, your, your inhalation has two modes. So the, the inhalation is, is a slightly more sympathetic state and the exhalation is a more parasympathetic. So that's when, when we do a heart rate variability, we're looking to see it at the, the how, how does that vary, that variation change of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic as you're breathing and exhaling with your heart. So uh, one way to stimulate that, that parasympathetic more than the sympathetic is to take long exhales and exhales should always be twice as long as inhales. And sometimes when we're stressed, we know where we feel it. We just focus on the inhale and we don't even think about the exhale. We're just like, you know, everything's tight. We're just thinking about inhale, inhale, inhale. Whereas the opposite needs to happen when we want to go into parasympathetic, we need to slowly breathe out and have that be at a minimum twice as long as the exhale. So let's say you inhale for a count of two, you want to exhale for at least a count of four so that you're predominantly triggering more of the parasympathetic uh, response than, than the sympathetic. And you're right, heat, you know, heat being in, in that environment and excessive heat is going to trigger more of that kind of nervous uh, sympathetic response, um, which we don't want, which we have too much of in our society anyway. So remembering to breathe, uh, remembering to drink our water, remembering to relax, remembering that it's not going to last forever. It's only, you know, things change, seasons change. To, to take long, uh, deep exhales, uh, I think is a good reminder for everybody. And as we wrap this up, I wanted to get your thoughts on a tip. I know Dr. Uh, uh, James D. Antonio, we both know, uh, talked about this, and I, I went into it, this extremity cooling and cooling like, you know, ice water or even ice in the, the palms, uh, cooling that or on the feet or even back of the neck sort of thing is would you recommend that as well if people are in this state where they're hydrated, they're just still hot to just even run your hands under cold water? If you have a piece of ice, just put it in your palm because that literally, you know, does start to cool. Is that something you recommend? Yeah. I mean, that's a great idea because, yeah, the, the majority of your blood, actually, like I said, it goes into the periphery, goes into the arms, the legs, the skin uh, to cool off. And so you're getting more circulation in those in those extremities or you have more access to your blood, to more to cool your blood in those areas. So yeah, the back of the neck, hands, the feet is a really great idea to you know just use cool cool compresses, use cool water, cool off those areas. The wrists are a great way to access a large amount of blood. Uh, the ankles, the wrists, the back of the neck, 
are great ways to um, areas we can focus on cooling uh, the majority of the blood. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I even love the facial. Like you just get a bucket and throw your face in in the morning and just cold showers, all of these things, a little Wim Hof without having to jump in a bucket full of ice, yeah. but you could still have cooling effects. Yeah. It's actually, you know, so we like to, I, I mean, I love cool water and I love, uh, I love cold plunges, but um, actually if you if you do a little bit more of a warm um, shower, a warm bath, uh, right before bed, it actually can make you feel cooler. It is bringing more of that blood to the to the surface, the periphery. So then, when you when you leave that, you're you're actually having more of a cooling effect rather than a heating effect. Whereas if you're if you're um, using cold water, you actually the, everything goes into the core and um, is not as you don't have as much access to it in the periphery. So you don't after you're finished with that, you don't necessarily feel as as cool. Uh, you may feel actually a little bit warmer as the body starts to try to re- release some of that heat. So. Yeah, just a tip. Some people like, you know, they don't care. They just like cool, cool, cooler showers before bed. That's that's fine too. If you feel comfortable with that, I, you know, I wouldn't do like cold punches right before bed. I would do warm, lukewarm to to cool uh, water. No, that's a good tip because you'll start to feel that coolness then afterwards, which is what you're really going for, especially as you go to sleep. Hey, Doctor Mark, where could people learn more about you? Give them their Instagram handle. We post a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, my Instagram, Doctor Mark. Dr. Underscore Mark Ivanitsky. Find me there. You can find me um, nycam.com website. Innovative yeah. Medicine.com website. Awesome. I'll see you in a couple of weeks when I got get back from a hopefully not overheated vacation. And I'll try and keep cool with all these tips. So thank you for coming on, my man. You're very welcome. All right. Well, whether or not the summer actually continues on this trajectory or not, I hope you feel more equipped to handle the heat with some of Dr. Mark's wisdom and tips for staying cool, staying healthy, and enjoying the summer sun. Until next time, stay cool and keep writing your own healing story.